0: Pass out something as we begin. We are still on the concentric circles regarding how to share our faith and sharing our faith with people. Byron, let let me give you those. This is a handout for you to have. I've given you a number of handouts as we've gone through this. We've talked about doing that survey, surveying those concentric circles, remember, of how we go from ourselves to our immediate family to extended family to our friends, relatives, business associates, acquaintances, and person X that's out there. And I have hope that you have been surveying and coming up with the people that God has placed in your unique mission field. No one in all the world has the mission field that you have because no one has all the same relationships that you have. You say, well, my wife does. She has the same relationships. No, your wife doesn't go to work with you. Uh, She doesn't have relationships that you would have at work or some of those other things. You have your own unique relationship with people and mission field, and so discover that. After we've discovered that, then what we want to do is to pray. And as we're praying for them, we're going to be praying and interceding and asking God to provide opportunities whereby we can build bridges to people and have a relationship with people so we can bring them across (laughs) into, into our world and to see them get saved. In the midst of that, we talked about overcoming barriers that we have along the way. And then we also talked about how to build bridges. How to build a bridge to that person. It brings us to the point of confrontation. You know, Now, confrontation sounds like a harsh word. That's not a hard word. A harsh word, that's a good word. It's a good word because we're going to bring up to the realities and bring to the point of what is the most important thing that we're talking about and the most important thing going to happen in their life. And that is... How to have a relationship with God. How to know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. How to have peace in your heart when you go to bed at night, knowing that something happens to you before morning takes place, that you know where you're going to be. That's the greatest gift, the peace of God uh, that God gives to us. That's the greatest gift that, that anyone could ever have. So we're wanting to impart that gift to someone. And so we're going to confront. That means that we're going to actually get to a place to where we talk to them about the message. And the message is that Jesus saves and that Jesus is special to us and and he died for them and paid the price for their sins. And if they'll ask him, he will come into their life. I want to just begin by asking something to you for you to think personally about this because it's always amazing to me. And that is, why are we reluctant to tell the good news when we usually want to be the first? To tell good news. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, most of us are are wanting to be the first person to go and tell somebody good news. For, for instance, if if your favorite team came from behind and had the winning score, and, and you and the other people who love your team don't know that, you can't wait to be the one who says, you know what happened? Alabama won. Auburn won. Yeah. You, you, you hope you get to be the one who breaks the news and tells the good news. Just excited about that. Not only that. What if one of your family members, or a relative, or somebody you know, wins some kind of award or some kind of recognition? Man, get on that phone. You call somebody. Did you know what happened? Do you know what happened to them? You know what they won? You know how they got recognized? You know? We, we want to be the first to tell. Or, or what about if there's a, a cure for a disease or successful treatment of some kind of infirmity? Do you think if, if you had, knew somebody who had that infirmity and that need and you knew where the cure was, do you think you would be eager to go and tell them? I mean, you need to go see that doctor. How many of you have ever recommended, I hope you have good doctors, have ever recommended your doctor to somebody, I mean, you need to go see my doctor. You got that problem? You need to go see this, this doctor. Because he helped me. Now, why would you do that? Because you're telling good news to them and those who have a need, that this need can be met. And you and you want to go and, and tell that eagerly. Or, or what about the, the latest money-making investment? I, I mean, let's just say that you, you invested something and you made 15% on it. You think you'd tell somebody? You think you'd be going to tell your friend, man, you need to get involved in it. You need to go invest your money. You need to do this. Why? Because that's good news. Now, why is it? Think about it just a Why is it that we're so eager to tell? We want to be the first to tell. We're not anxious about it at all. We're not fearful over it at all. To go tell good news in all of those situations and a hundred more, but when it comes time, to tell the good news which is the best news of how you can live eternally we're reluctant or we're fearful why why is it i you can you can talk to me you have any ideas well, spiritual warfare. a very personal okay what what'd you say spiritual warfare. spiritual warfare the old the old devil doesn't want you to the devil don't care if you tell somebody about a treatment but he don't want you to tell anybody about how to miss hell and get to heaven you know so there there is spiritual things any any other idea we may be afraid, we'll do it wrong. okay some people are afraid they'd do it wrong or mess it up all right that's that's legitimate but boy we need to get beyond that don't we i mean don't we really need to get beyond that and, and get to where we're not fearful or afraid to be able to share the gospel we, we really do all right. I want to read. Dr. Thompson he had one of the best little illustrations about it. He talks about whenever they were going, he and five of his men were going to lead in a these crusades or revivals and the California Convention. And he and his five men were appointed to go to Reno, Nevada. Reno, Nevada is actually in the California Convention. And he says when they got there to to uh, The first thing it says, when the men who came for us at the air terminal began to prepare us for the crusade immediately, they said, now, brethren, you are not in the Bible belt. They warned us. It's hard to witness out here. By the time we reached the general meeting, they had told us five times how difficult it was to witness in Reno. This really built our confidence. My five laymen were successful businessmen and knew about the ways of the world, but they were also men who had a great love for God and loved to share Him with other people. When we arrived at the meeting, each of us were asked to say a word, but before we did, we were reminded again about how hard it is to witness in Reno. (laughs) We knew these people needed encouragement. One of my laymen stood up and said lovingly, Brethren, We have heard that it's difficult to witness here. I understand that. I'm thankful for the work that's going on here. But I want to ask you something. What is the worst possible thing they could do to you? There was silence. Then one little boy on the front row stood up and yelled, Kill ya! How many have you lost lately, my layman asked, and everyone laughed and relaxed. You heard anybody, seeing the paper or the news anywhere where somebody got killed, they killed them because they were witnessing, because somebody told them about Jesus? So we're fearful of, of things that we really don't have to be as fearful of as we make it out to be, and, and so we need to pray, God help me not to be fearful, help, help me to share the good news that I know with somebody, and help me to lovingly do that. Now, one thing, if you'll notice this, on this paper right here, this little paper that I gave to you, it says an invitation to respond. An invitation to respond. Whenever we go and we share the gospel and we tell people about Jesus or we live the life of Christ before them, all these things we've been doing, we've been building this bridge and, and we have the chance to walk over that bridge and to share, peop- share the gospel with people, then we need to give people an invitation to respond. Wouldn't that be be understandable? I mean, we need to give them a chance to say, yes, I'd like to accept Christ. One thing that I have seen people do when sharing their witness or gospel is to fail to give an invitation. It is important to give the information needed to be saved, but we must go further. You've got to get that in your mind, okay? Okay. It's important to share what people need to know in order to be saved. Let's talk about that in just a second. What, what, what do people need to know? I, I want it in, in no more than five statements, and more than five statements. What, what's the first thing that people need to know to be saved? First, first thing is what? God loves you, that's right. What, what, what is our condition? All right? All right. We're sinners, right? We're, sin- we're all sinners, we, and, we, and we all deserve to be punished. Isn't that right? But then, that could be first or second. As you said, John, God loves us, right? God loves us, and He doesn't want to punish us. He doesn't want to send us to eternal punishment. He didn't do that. So, so what, did, what did God do? What did God do? He, he, he sent somebody. Who did He send? He sent His Son. He sent His Son, who is the perfect Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God in this world, to live among us, to show us what God's like, show us what we're supposed to be like, and everything else. But is that all He did, just live among us? What else did He do? What did Jesus do? He died on the cross. And why did He die on the cross? Because He had to pay the price for sin. Sin's payment is death. We deserve that. Somebody had to pay that payment and what did Jesus do he paid that that payment he paid for our sin because he didn't have to pay for his own because he had never sinned right did he stay dead no what he rose again being victorious over sin satan and death and he's the king of kings and lord of lords who promises that he will save us and give us a home in heaven i mean you can add six or seven or eight or however you want to but but in five statements in five statements you can paint the picture And give all the principles regarding the salvation that is needed for people. Just five statements. Very simple. Okay? Now hold on a second. Let's say that we're talking to a person and we give them those five statements. And we get we we say those five statements and they listen to those five statements. That's the presentation of the gospel. But what if we just stop there? What if we just stop? Are they saved? Are they saved? No. Uh, wh- what have we done for them? We've given them information. We've given them information. But has it been transforming in their life? No, it hasn't been transforming life because taking in information is not going to transform a life. A person is saved not because they took in information but because they believed in the Lord Jesus, right? Because they put their faith and trust In the Lord Jesus, so we need to go further. So back on this page right here, it says, it's important to give the information needed to be saved, but we must go further. We must be willing to ask the person for a response. In other words, what are you going to do with this? You can simply say, do you think you've come to a place in your life where you want to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Pretty simple statement, isn't it? Have you come after I've shared this with you have, you? have you come to a place in your life to where you would be ready to pray and ask Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior? There's not anything intimidating about that. There's not anything that's that's brow the person. You're just simply saying to them, based on, have you come to a place that you would like to respond to the gospel? Now, look over on the back. I want to give you a, a second one that you can have, that you could ask in regard to that. Look at the number two. Is there anything that would keep you from believing in Jesus and asking Him to be your Lord and Savior? That's just a little different way of saying it. See there? Is there anything that, w- that would keep you from believing in Jesus and asking Him to be your Lord and Savior? So those are two ways to ask for a response, and the person then has the opportunity to share with you. Well, what could be and what would be some of the possibilities of the response? When the person responds, be prepared to assist him or her. Here's the first response that could happen when you ask that question. If the person is ready to respond to the gospel, make sure that he or she understands the seriousness of the commitment. We're not just... Rushing through this this is a serious thing whenever you commit your life to Jesus and give your heart to him. All right. So you make sure they're serious about the commitment and be willing to lead him or her in a prayer to ask Jesus to come into his or her life. In other words, the, the simplest way to do that is if that person said, Yeah, I would like to, I would like to give my heart to Jesus. I, I'd like to ask him to be my Lord and Savior then it is important that they pray, right? I'll talk to you about that in just a minute. And how are they going to know how to pray? You're going to help them to know how to pray. Now, some people, some of them may say, I can pray on my own. I'll just pray. And, and they, they can. They just say, I'm sorry, I sinned and I asked Jesus to come to my heart. Many people would say, yeah, I'd like to pray, but I don't know how. I don't know how to pray. Then that that's for you to be able to help somebody to know how to pray. You say, well, listen, what I'll do is... I will pray for you, and you repeat after me. You just repeat after me. And and what I usually say, if I do that, I try to say this. Now, I'm going to help you know how to pray, but I want you to act like I'm not even here. All right? I want you to act because it's not important that I'm here. It's important that you're here talking to God. And I'm just going to help you know what to say when you talk to God. And I want you to understand that God hears what you say, and he hears, more importantly, he hears your heart. If you're wanting to be saved, He will hear your heart. And then you just simply pray that uh, sentence prayers out there. Very simply, what? What you just shared the gospel? Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I know Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sin, and I thank Jesus. And I ask Him to forgive me of my sin, and I believe that He is the Son of God, and I want Him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, God. Amen. It's pretty simple, isn't it? That's why God said it takes childlike faith. It's precious to hear a child pray that. Precious to hear anybody pray that. But that simple prayer is what they would pray. But what I want you to understand is it is important, it is important that you lead them and they pray. Turn on the back side, number three, where it says, the importance of praying with the person. Listen to this now. You can share the gospel and make every point clearly. The person can affirm that he or she believes what you shared, but knows that information, but know that information does not save a person. Here, knowing information is not is not the salvation experience, okay? The person must talk to God and ask Jesus to forgive him or her, and be his or her Savior and Lord. The person must pray. They have to talk to the one who paid the price for their sin. They have to talk to the one who is the Savior and Lord. They need to pray and talk to God. It is helpful to lead the person in what to pray, asking them to repeat after you. In other words... Giving somebody the information, as wonderful as that is, is not finished. It is not where you want to be. You've got to get them to the point of praying and asking Jesus to come into their heart and their life. Somebody can know all the information, every bit of information, but never has asked Jesus to come into their life, and they're not saved. They've got to pray and ask Jesus. So the first response, is not you? If that person says, yes, I want to be saved, then you respond by saying, well, can I help you to pray? And would you be willing to f- follow me and repeat after me? And you just say that simple prayer, and as they say that prayer, then they are asking Jesus to be Lord of their life. Uh, I had a great experience this past Sunday morning on, in, in the first service. In, in the very first service, we had, uh, at the beginning of that service, at, I mean, at the beginning of the invitation of that service, a young man came down, and he was probably in his thirties. I don't know. Brian's about thirty, I imagine. But whenever we the invitation, he came down, and came down to the altar and just knelt down and began to pray. And God, I don't always do that, but God impressed me to go over to him and and to ask him if I could help him or something. And whenever I went to Brian, he said, "He said I'm lost. I have never given my heart to Jesus. I, I need to be saved." You know. And and so I said, "Well, do you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart right now?" And he said. He said, yes I, will, yes, I won't do that. He's sitting there weeping, you know. And, and so in a, in a matter of just a minute, I'm able to lead him through that prayer. I'm a sinner, and I know that I deserve punishment, and Jesus died on the cross for me, and I believe and asked Jesus to save me from sin, and he asked Jesus, and his life was eternally changed. In, in just a moment. Not because I, not because I was there, but because he was praying and I helped him know how to pray ask God to come into his life and Jesus to be Lord and Savior's life. And what, a, what a privilege that is. Every one of you, every one of us can do that. We can do that. That's not hard. Now, look back at the second of the responses. Not everyone, who, not everyone that you share the gospel with is going, is going to get saved immediately. Okay, now, I, I'm just telling you that. If you think, well, as soon as I share the gospel with anybody, they're going to get saved, you're going to be disappointed. Okay? You're going to be, and, and, and you're going to feel like a failure. And I, and I know Christians who will go out and they'll try to share the gospel and somebody gets saved, they won't share the gospel anymore. I'm a failure. You are not a failure. You are of great success if you've done what God told you to do. Amen? All the results are up to God. He, The Holy Spirit's the one who, who saves somebody anyway? Alright? So get out of your mind that everybody you share the gospel with is going to be saved. That's not going to happen. Not everybody's going to be saved. Well, let me, let me ask you this question, if you'll think back in time. Did you get saved the first time you heard the gospel? Did you? Most people, most people don't get saved the first time they heard the gospel. They heard it over and over again another time and, they, and the Holy Spirit's working on them and then they heard the gospel again, the Holy Spirit's working on them and finally they're there. So that it didn't happen with us most of the time. It's very rare for a person here at the very first time to get saved. So if the person doesn't respond, and number two, if the person is hesitant, or ask, ask him or her if she has any questions about salvation that you might answer. In other words... Is there something, some mental thing, some question you have about it that you'd like me to be able to answer? It is all right to be persuasive in your ministry to the individual. In other words, it's okay to say, boy, I, I really want you to be saved, or I really hope that you'll pray and ask Jesus in your heart. I, I want you to be in heaven with me. That's okay. Don't, don't resist that. But we must remember that salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? So the Holy Spirit's working whenever you're faithful to it. He's going to work, but... It may not be the time whenever that person is birthed into the kingdom. Look over here at number one, at number one on the opposite side. Another way of doing this is, does what I shared with you make sense? In other words, you're just saying to that person, is there anything that I said that you don't understand, anything that I could clear up or maybe I didn't say it the right way, Does what I shared with you make sense? Is there anything you would like for me to explain or a question that you might have? Now, that's that's where people get nervous. (laughs) Because, oh, no, I don't want them to ask me a question that I I couldn't answer. Don't worry about that. Here's a a good answer for a lot of questions, okay? I don't know. But if you'll give me time, I'll try to find out. Okay? Okay it's far better it's far better to say I don't know than try to make up something. All right? You get more trouble making up than you do just, just say, I don't really know the answer to that, but I promise you I'll try to find the answer and get back to you. If there's an answer, I'll try to get back to you about that. I always would say, let's both find the answer. I always That's say, good. I don't get, I mean, sure. Yeah. let Next time I'm i Why not you do that That's good. That's good. I don't have any, any opposition to that. The issue is we're trying to help them. If they have some mental issues or they're having some struggles or something, and people do. There a lot of times words to them that, mean, that maybe are precious to us are not precious to them. Uh, uh, one example of that is if somebody didn't have a good childhood and had an abusive father where we're talking about a loving father they don't understand that you know they don't relate to that as god the father and stuff and they, they might struggle with that and you have to say you have to deal with that but you don't have to have the answer if you have the answer great if you don't have the answer somebody will help you try to find that answer you know, you know some don't have answers do I'm always all the holy spirit's always to say i'm so sorry That's good. That's good. Good. Look what it says here in number three. Whenever you've asked people to respond and the person does not accept Jesus, all right? Ask the person who does not accept Jesus if you can pray with him or her or for him and her and then let them know that you're specifically going to pray for his or her salvation. You, ask, you know, you say, well, listen, I understand you're not ready to accept Christ right now. I, I want to I wanna be able to pray for you. Is it okay if I pray for you? And, and I want you to know I'm going to be praying that God will engineer things in your life that you'll understand that you need Jesus as Lord and Savior, that you need Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, and, and I, I dare say, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody who said, no, don't pray for me. <laughs> You know, most people are, even heathens want you to pray for them. You know, but I, but I, I, I don't, I don't remember anybody. But, but I'm serious. You need to do that. I, one, of, one of the examples of that's my dad. My dad was a good man, but he's a lost man. And whenever I'd share the gospel with my dad before he got saved, I, I'd ask my dad. I said, I said, Dad, I, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm gonna okay keep praying for you. I said, I said, Do you have a? Is there a longing in your heart? Desire in your heart to? to be a Christian, to give your heart to Jesus? He said, no, not really. I, I mean, he said, very honest. He said, no, not really. I just really don't have any, any desire to, to be a Christian or for that to happen in my life. I said, well, then is it okay if I pray that God will put a desire in your heart that you'd become a Christian? And he, Yeah, you can pray that. Pray for me to have that desire. Well, God honored that. And when we prayed for that, engineering the situation in life, some of those situations are not so easy. There came a pl- point in time in my dad's life where he desired, or realized that he needed Jesus as Lord and Savior. He couldn't handle all of life's circumstances. But you just ask that person in a very casual way, "I want to pray for you." Now, now here's the other thing: when you do, and you tell them, then put that on your prayer list. I mean, you make that part of your prayer list. It may mean, not pray every day, but organize your prayer journal or whatever you have so that you have a day that. There's a day that you should be praying for lost people. Every one of us should have people that we know we've met who don't know Jesus that we ought to be praying for. And on that list, you'd put that person so that you'd remember to pray for them that, uh, that God would bring them to salvation. Confrontation is of utmost importance. If we, if we tell them all the good news and all the information and, and never and never reach the point of giving them the chance to respond, then we have missed out and we have only brought half the message because they need to have a chance to respond. I wanted to to read this little story to you from Dr. Thompson's book that was, I thought, very humorous and about this fact of sharing the gospel. One day, I walked into the bookstore at the seminary. One of my students grabbed me and said, Dr. Thompson... I have to conduct a funeral for a lost person, and I desperately need some help. I've never done this before. I am really troubled about it. I said, well, I understand. I'll be in my office in about 30 minutes. You come on up, and we'll work on it together. So he came to my office, and we sat down, and I said, I know it's difficult. I've had to conduct funerals for lost people too many many times. Who is it? He said, my uncle. I said, now, now let's see, how much time do we have? When is the funeral? He said, I do not know. So I thought, well, the arrangements have not been made yet. So I said, will, will it be in a couple of days? He said, oh, no, not necessarily, he answered. I thought, boy, they're going to mummify this guy before they bury him. I did not tell him that. It would not have been an appropriate thing to say. So trying very hard to keep my composure, I asked, What do you mean? He's not dead yet, Dr. Thompson, the fellow replied. But you told me it was a funeral for a lost person. Well, he is, but I do not believe he's going to be saved, he said. People have been praying for him for years. He is an intellectual and just not reachable. Now he has developed emphysema and his lungs are collapsing. I'll tell you what I said. I have a better idea. Let's claim Matthew 18, 19 for your uncle. Our Lord said, If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Let's stand between this man and hell and ask God to save him. His problem is not knowledge. His problem is conviction. He needs to realize that he is lost. You cannot convict him. That is the Holy Spirit's job. So let's ask God to engineer circumstances to bring your uncle to Christ. After we had prayed, I asked, has anyone ever confronted him? Well, yes, people have asked him to come to church. No, I said, that is not what I'm talking about. Has anyone ever sat down and said, dear friend, I want to tell you the best news that I've ever heard, and just shared with him who Jesus is and what Jesus did and what it should mean to him? Has he ever been confronted with those three things, his present need, Christ's provision, and an appeal for him to accept what he has done for him. Well, he said, I do not know if he would listen to me. I said, dear friend, isn't that his decision? What does he have to gain if he does, and what what does he have to lose if he does not? He needs to be able to make the choice. Several weeks later, I saw that student in the hall. He said, Dr. Thompson, my uncle has been saved. It was the first time I'd ever shared the gospel, and he was saved. When I confronted him with a simple truth, do you know what he said? I said, no. My uncle said, you know, I never could buy all of this religious bit because people would never tell me what they were talking about, and I was too proud to ask. That's it. Just talk to people in a normal voice, tell them what Jesus has done for you and can do for them, Confront them with who Jesus is, what sin is, and how God has provided for forgiveness of sin. There are lots of people just like that man. I've wanted to know what about it, but nobody ever told me. Nobody ever sat down. Nobody ever talked to me. Invited them, him to church, that's a big difference than inviting him to Jesus. Amen. May the Lord impress on us to be people who invite other people to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for challenging us, for speaking truth to us. Help us to hear and heed and to be obedient to tell people about Jesus, that they might be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, we're going to get started back in the life of Abraham. We finished up this, so we'll be back in the life of Abraham next Wednesday night. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.